Good day, listeners. Hello, my friends. I'm coming to you from the King House, recording the intro for podcast number two. You know, I love my job. I love helping people. I love joining people in their stories. I love connecting them with helpful ideas or relationships, adjustments, ways to forgive, ways to let go, ways for them to grab a hold of what's most important. I'm super fortunate. I don't take it for granted that I get to do this. Every week, though, I have some kind of conversation that includes the worry, the fear, about what a person is supposed to do with their life, like vocationally, like what should I do with myself and how to make a living. And some of us are still trying to figure that out, and some of us may not have had a lot of choices when it comes to that. But many folks who do have some choices available to them, they feel stuck. Now, this podcast today is not actually a a three-step method on how to get unstuck and how to figure out what you're going to do with your life, but rather it's a conversation with someone that I've known about for quite a long time. And, And this guy's MO is he basically, from a very young age, just did what was interesting to him. He followed stories. He says the stories are undefeated. What a line. And, and, and his story t- took him from cruising Maine in prior Oklahoma in high school to hanging out with Evil Knievel and William Shatner and writing biographies about some of Oklahoma's most beloved figures. Today we'll talk with Jimmy Trammell, who's the pop culture czar, my, my term, at the Tulsa World. And he knows a ton of people and he's had a lot of great stories and he's got something to, to tell us about just doing what is interesting to you and how that can change your life. My name is Chris King, I'm a licensed therapist, and I'm stuck in my head. Here we go, let's do it. Hello, Matt. Hey, uh, Maggie, are you there? I am here. It's uh, wonderful to talk to you today, Maggie King. You know, uh, we had a big uh, opening podcast last week. Yes. Um, and you did a great job putting that together uh, for us. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing that. Um, and you've been keeping super busy. You do have a wedding coming up. Isn't that a thing? I'm that's, just asking. Uh, I'm asking. That's what, that's what the rumor mills turn it out these days. Um, that's, that's, what, <laughs> that's what I've heard. <laughs> let, me uh, ask, let me ask you a question. What's uh, his name again? What's the guy's name? Uh, Ryan Thomas <laughs> Robinson. Um, and you know, he's a, he's a good guy. I've heard, I've heard things. Hopefully uh-huh. we'll get to meet him. Um, sure. Okay. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, last week we talked to Garland Tackett. He's a spiritual director. Hey, uh, what was your two cents on, on that one? You have a thought about that, about that, uh, our first pod? Yeah. Well, I think he's a great first guest cause he's a great guy. He's to talk to. Um, and the idea of spiritual direction, you know, it's not, I wouldn't say widely known. Um, yeah. So I think it's a cool thing to bring some attention to. And also, we just cannot glaze over the fact that he is a Linkin Park fan. Yeah, I wasn't, I mean... I wasn't quite ready for Linkin Park. Like, like the, Kendrick, <laughs> the, Kendrick, the Kendrick Lamar, I'm like, yes. Sure, the the Pearl Jam puts him in my category. Uh, yeah. You know, and I'm like, and he said Linkin, I'm like, and he said, I didn't grow up doing a lot of music. I'm like, well, that is a sweet variety. I'll give it you is, that, dude. I mean, at least he's open, you know? Absolutely. 
Curious was the word. So yeah, that's true. Uh, that's the so, theme. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm curious uh, about the Lincoln Park. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I respect it. I respect it. Well, yeah. People, a lot of people need a priest, and that's what I think Garland does. And he'll be back on for some other uh, conversations in the future. But this week coming up, if people, if you keep listening and you don't shut us down, uh, okay. you're going to hear um, Jimmy Trammell. And uh, and you had a chance, Maggie, to hear my uh, our conversation with Jimmy. Also, first conversation uh, where I brought Allison um, Myers in as a guest. And I've known Allison forever since she was in middle school. And I think that anything that Allison is involved in is gold. She is an awesome mm-hmm. person. She brings uh, great understanding and just a, a, a quick wit. And I... I, I love her as a person. I'm so excited that she's going to be in our conversations. So talking to, to Jimmy and, and Allison uh, was awesome. So as I said in the opener, like here's a guy and I, maybe it's a generational thing, but here's a guy that he wasn't thinking, Oh, you know, I, I mean, I'm interested in people's stories. I'm interested in sports. I'm interested in pop culture, comics, things like that, but it would never pay me enough. So I could never do that. Or, right. or, or, or the parents or the family or people, I'm like an awesome student, people expect X, Y, Z. Like he just did what he was interested in. Mm-hmm. And, and then he's having this talk with Evil Knievel, his childhood hero, or he's, or he's writing Barry Switzer's biography. I mean, are you kidding me? What, what, what was, I mean, you heard it. Like, yeah, I know generationally we're not, obviously you're my father, so not the same situation, <laughs> but... I mean, I didn't know who Jimmy was. I'd not heard of him before you, you know, pitched him as somebody who would be awesome to come on and talk to. Um, And he just has crazy stories. I mean, the people he's met and interacted with and the the way that his opportunities have come to him is like, I don't know, super inspiring and really fun to listen to. Yeah, we just scratched the surface. I mean, I think we could have a whole ton of other conversations, especially when some of his other uh, his new book comes out and stuff like that. So, uh, folks, I, I'm excited for you to hear our conversation uh, with, with Jimmy Trammell. Uh, one quick thing on this, just so you know, we're working on audio production. We're, we're bootstrapping it. We're doing it ourselves. And if we have some times where the sound is a little uneven, like blame me, like I'm working on it. So, <laughs> but the, I, I was just so excited to talk to him. So it, without further ado, here's our conversation with Jimmy Trammell. I want to uh, welcome both of you on here. Allison, this is your first shot with me. I hope you passed the audition. Oh, same. Yeah. Um, appreciate you being here. Uh, uh, known you for a long time, and I expect you're going to bring some some spice to our conversation. So thank you. <laughs> and our uh, our guest today is uh, Jimmy Trammell, who is, and I'll make sure I have this right, is it Lifestyle and Entertainment Writer for the Tulsa World? Is that your title? The best way I like to say it is Pop Culture Writer, which encompasses a lot of things under pop culture. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, some people might be wondering, why would we be inviting the pop culture writer for the Tulsa world onto our podcast that is called stuck in my head. And it's about um, people's stories and kind of the mental health and, and relational health kind of angle behind it. So as a therapist, um, if not every, every day, like at least a few times a week, I'm interacting with people and I have in the past that maybe younger people that struggle with what they're going to do with their lives. 
like they don't, you know, they don't know. I, I suspect that the three of us on this conversation have been there. Like, you know, like, I'm not sure what I want to do. And, and there's a lot of angst around that. And, and I think that the well-meaning adults in the lives of, of these young adults are, uh, or, or kids are like, Hey, like, just like find what you like, you know, like, <laughs> and they're like, I don't know what I like. <laughs> and, uh, but find what you like and then like pursue that. And there've been a few people that I've been around uh, in the past that seem to have figured that out. And Jimmy and I are acquaintances. We don't really know each other um, and very well, but, I have, I've, I've seen your work from a distance for a long, long time. And from actually even from for 30 years ago, like I've seen your work and you've always been the kind of guy that I, at least from a distance that made me think this guy just likes what he does and goes and does what he wants. And your career from the outside is super interesting. And we want to, I want to get into that. Um, and, I, I just really think that some of the things that you have to say might be super duper relevant for the people that listen for what we do. So that's why I wanted to invite you. So welcome Jimmy Trammell and welcome Allison Myers. I want to open the question up with Jimmy. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started, um, you know, doing journalism and being, being a writer and, and that kind of stuff. Like what's the story? How did you get into this? The key word you said there was story. I mean, <laughs> I just love stories, period. Stories are undefeated. Uh, whether it is a newspaper story or a book or a song or a movie. I mean, how many great story songs are there? Like Harper Valley PTA. I mean, <laughs> uh, great story song. Uh, a football game is a, is a story in four chapters college basketball game is a chapter in two halves uh stories to me are just undefeated i've always loved uh stories period both as a consumer and as a uh a writer of stories and uh you know gr growing up in uh locust grove oklahoma not far from where you you were from we're all from mace county uh we had a very good high school newspaper at our school and uh, just gravitated toward the uh, the journalism there in school and kept going. What was it that? Okay, so like my first interaction action with you, and Allison, I want you to pitch in on this. So uh, if you, I so Jimmy, I've known Allison since she was in middle school, and um, which was a long, yeah. long, a long also, time. Also, middle school is also undefeated. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> So, so uh, my first interaction with, with you, Jimmy, and you probably don't remember this, but when I was playing high school basketball and um, was involved in small town, Oklahoma, eight air Oklahoma, um, you were the guy that was writing sports articles for the daily times. And I'm guessing you, maybe you were 20. I don't know. Like you were, cause when'd you graduate high school? I graduated high school in 83. So, yeah, I, I got to be the sports editor of the Prior Daily Times, which is my home county newspaper, uh, by the time I was 20 years old. And I was going to college at the time and was having so much fun uh, making $100 or $200 uh, 
a week or however much it was. I blocked it out of my brain. <laughs> but I uh, college for a while because I just thought it was like the greatest job ever. And it was uh, so much fun to be the sports editor covering five high schools in, in Mays County. But, uh, yeah, I was basically the same age as the people playing the games, and I have many friends from that group today. Yeah. Well, when I think there's a cutout article of you, you did come up, you did you did a feature on us when we were seniors, but, and uh, our coach Tom Linehan, who who really changed my life. Um, he just showed me so many things, just about being a being a man when I was a young guy that didn't know anything. And, and uh, but anyway, you you wrote this article called "The Funny Boys," and then we had there were four of us that were seniors. And we were always just BSing our way through practice. And, and he was, Lenham was always giving us crap. And so he wrote this feature. And I just thought it was the most awesome thing to have been written about and have my friends be written about on print. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we would check stats. And it was just, I don't know. I think it was a way that you, you were, as a, as a kid yourself, you were giving legitimacy um, to the families and to the people in, in those small towns that like, it's kind of what our world's revolved around, you know, were you, were you ever worried about like scrutiny at that point? Or did you just write what you thought? Like, was there, was there fear out when I was telling Allison that you were coming, she was, she said this, I'm kind of curious your take Allison. Like you said, like, it sounds kind of courageous, like guys just kind of going out and putting his two cents out there. You know, that's kind of what he's always done. Yeah, I mean, I it, I think that's super brave. And maybe at twenty, you were you were twenty, and so you didn't think how how brave it was. But it seems very brave to me. Well, the unfortunately for everyone who read the paper, I was twenty. So <laughs> that's, that's where you make you know a million mistakes. Uh, you know, you you can go to college and take the classes. But nothing teaches you like real life experience, and I'm and I'm I mean, really I made horrible bad uh, mistakes that no one many writers never want to see what they wrote 30, 40 years ago because it's uh, they just don't want to see what they used to do. Uh, so my apologies to anybody for all the mistakes I made, but uh, there, it was a little bit of a, a tricky navigation at times because uh, you know. It, county with five schools there are, are jealousies even among the thing oh yeah you, i mean I, I caught heck sometimes the 80 girls basketball was great great during that era and i caught some heck from parents from the other schools saying why do you write about 80 it's like well they're winning two state championships in a row but you know beyond that you know what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah yeah, if you have, like, what about us? Or I would think even, like, you know, you came from Locust Grove, and that, that would be a probably something in your ear. Yeah, that was tough because, uh, you know, if, if you didn't give Locust Grove enough to do, having gone there, you might hear from your Locust Grove buddies, like, hey, I thought you were one of us. You're writing about uh, Prior and Shoto and Solana. What happened to you? But, you know, no big deal. You get over all that stuff, and it wasn't. it's not as near as dramatic as probably I'm making it out to be. But it, it was just like the greatest time ever to be uh, young, doing all that stuff. And, uh, man, it, it was I was there for four years, and it just seems like it, it flew by. Yeah. 
I've got to, I've got to imagine writing about high school sports. Well, I don't know what it's like for the writer, but I've got twin sons that play football. They're juniors at Holland Hall and we comb, we comb the sports section on Saturdays. Like we've never combed it before looking for their name, looking for their picture. And I don't, it, it makes them feel something to see their name or to see their, their picture. Um, it makes me feel something as their, as their mother to know how much work has gone into it. Um, it's, it's a really powerful thing to see, to see yourself in that way. I'm so sad that all these small town newspapers, many of them have gone away. Mm. And, uh, the, the prior daily times that I worked for no longer exists. Right. And, but it, I mean, like every day, the guy who played or the girl who played in the game the night before could look at the paper the next day and see their, their picture or their press clippings about what they did. And that's gone away with uh, the internet coming in. I'm, yeah. I'm sad. And uh, props to Terry Elward, who was my boss at the Daily Times and Prior, and he started his own weekly newspaper the paper literally out of his kitchen and prior mm. and his newspaper has gone away and the paper he used to work for, I'm sorry, the paper is still there. The paper he used to work for the daily times no longer exists. And uh, it, it was Terry, Chris, speaking about uh, those, you know, you and your buddies being written about Terry had a policy basically of uh, like any person who's a senior on a sports team, deserves a chance to be written about before they're done because they've paid mm-hmm. the dues, they're in your sword and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of kept that with me all my life that, man, if you, if you stick it out and you're a senior, I don't care if you're uh, a, an offensive lineman or a quarterback or whatever else, you, you deserve your spot in the sun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, okay. That, that's, that makes me want to talk about some other stuff, but, but I, I do want to get into before we get to the psychology of that, because that's, that's huge. And by the way, like a lot of those people that, that you were writing about, like have gone on and done ridiculous things coming from the middle of nowhere. I mean, uh, when I say middle of nowhere, I don't mean any disrespect to our, to our homes, but people in, in the city, particularly in the internet age, tend to forget that those places, those small towns are producing, you know, rock stars in, all, in, in our lives. You know what I mean? And like to, to have that, le- that legitimacy, that, that nod when you're a kid and, and for the families, I mean, like, it's just massive. Like it becomes an assumption that, oh, I can go out and do things, you know, like it's, I, I, I really can't, uh, I can't overstate that. Um, w- let's talk about what happened in, in your world when you moved to Tulsa and started sports writing for the Tulsa world. And then that got you into writing. (laughs) You wrote Barry Switzer's biography. And I'm just wondering if like when you were like, you know, hanging out, going to prior football games, if you thought that you would be writing Barry Switzer's biography. (laughs) It's so weird. I could, I can remember like watching like uh, Bedlam games back in the day with Pat Jones and Barry Switzer. And then I wind up writing books with or about both those guys and it's surreal uh 
Well, what was your time like at the world? And what was like, like, what are some of the, the stories and the, the things that you enjoyed? What, like, tell us about that. Well, I was in my apartment in Pryor over by uh, Whitaker, Thunderbird now, mm-hmm. when uh, Bill Connors, the great sports editor at the Tulsa World, called me and offered me a, a uh, job as a copy editor at the Tulsa, a sports copy editor at the Tulsa World. And if you don't know what that is, it means you work four to midnight which is a really bad shift and it's hard yeah. to screws up your hours really bad. Uh, uh, proofreading other people's stories and writing headlines, which is basically your only creative outlet. If you're a copy editor hmm. uh, and just, and doing those kind of things, it's the, the grunt work people have. They're the offensive linemen of, uh, <laughs> the there's, there's no glory and you're doing a lot of blocking. But uh, I, they're the long snapper. Nobody notices unless you mess it up. You really get noticed. Uh, but I, I knew I had to, even though it was horrible hours, I knew I had to do that just to get my foot in the door to be a rider. And then, uh, you know, you, you basically have to wait until someone takes another job or gets reassigned for, you know, a sports riding job to open up at that time. And my timing was pretty good. And within a couple of years, maybe even a year, I got to be a, uh, a writer uh, and, and cover, you know, mostly college sports, uh, OU and OSU and Tulsa, Arkansas, Oral Roberts, occasionally a pro sporting event. And then uh, I was, our, for a while, I was our primary golf rider and, uh, you know, went to the Masters and, and those kind of things and went to a few Final Fours with uh, covering college basketball, which was great. Just and just the people you meet are the best thing. People ask me now, do I, you know, do I miss being in sports? And the only thing I miss are uh, the really big, great events and the really super people I got to meet along the way. So, <laughs> I mean, but you you've had that as you transitioned into the entertainment stuff, right? Or is it just different? I mean, because you're going to yeah. concerts and stuff and. Like I know that if that's the thing you do, like when a big show comes to Tulsa, you're you're getting backstage and meeting people, you're doing that. But it's just is it just different maybe because it's not the same people all the time like it was with with sports. Uh, you still meet people, but you're just not around them quite as much. Like if you covered OU or OSU for a whole season, yeah, you got to know basically everybody on that team. Whereas a concert, you know, somebody's coming around every once in a while, and you don't really. The the trick with concerts and that kind of thing is. If the concert is not sold out and they have tickets to sell, they're really happy to talk to you, and they're going to put their best face forward to to help sell tickets. But if the if they're sold out, then they probably don't need you to talk to to sell tickets. So that's the difference. Hmm. So, so being pop culture guy to Tulsa World, like because of that, like supply and demand kind of thing with the entertainment folks, it's like so you're not talking to Springsteen and McCartney, but you are talking to <laughs> the people who aren't Springsteen and McCartney. Yeah, yeah, but you get you get pleasant surprises sometimes. I mean, uh, Garth Brooks has always been good to to uh, the Tulsa world and myself. Uh, some of the superstars you can get, some you can't. But typically, you get way more. You get pitched all the time, like, uh, "Hey, this person's coming to town. Uh, this person has a movie out. This person's in a TV series," and you can't do all of them. But if there's some kind of a local connection, that's the ones you try to hop on. Absolutely. Yeah, I get that. Okay, so in, in, in the sports world and then your uh, 
your entertainment stuff? What are some of the conversations and that have been super interesting? What like if you're when you get to talk, you know, when you're hanging out at a at a at a family gathering and you're like, guys, you won't believe this one. Like, well, what kind of stuff has stood out in your career as far as conversations or people that you've met? Well, my favorite conversation of all time was Evil Knievel. And, uh, and yeah. for, for, it was because uh, he would have said anything. As a writer, you want somebody to make your job easy and just tell great stories. And they'll say basically anything. And in fact, you, you can't print everything they said because it might get both of you in trouble. Uh, but also, the other half of that is uh, who is your hero when you're growing up? And I loved Evil Knievel so much as a kid, you know, was one of my heroes. Uh, but the deal is you don't always want to meet your heroes or talk to your heroes because if it goes bad, yeah. can you still like that person? Can that person still be your hero? Uh, the most terrified I've ever been to talk to anyone, and I've talked to Heisman winners and big-time coaches and everything else, but the most scared I ever was to talk to someone was William Shatner, Captain Kirk, <laughs> Star Trek. Because I love Star Trek. Yeah. And and if it went bad, the conversation went bad, then can I still like Star Trek and William Shatner? Mm. And probably, uh, it went great. And I've talked to him a couple times since. But when his receptionist or helper put me on hold and said, William Shatner will be on in 10 seconds, the butterflies in my stomach were like, like pterodactyls. Tremendous. So <laughs> that's so interesting and i I'm, a little, I'm curious well a couple of things one did you have the wind up evil knievel motorcycle when you were a kid oh my god and, oh yeah did you yeah i had everything i had them all i had i had the dragster i had the regular motorcycle i had the chopper um did you have like the wasn't there a snake canyon uh like rocket Scott? Yeah. Here's the saddest story I know about that. You want to hear a sad story about that? Go, go. Okay. It's mental Dan, health. We're supposed to get sad. Come on. Daniel Carter from the Outsiders House Museum in Tulsa. Oh, yeah. That so badly as a kid. His family uh, scratched around and got it for him. He's living in New York at the time. Okay. He takes his evil Knievel wind-up toy out in the street with the motorcycle, cranks it up, it goes down an alley or a street in New York. At the other end of the street, some other kid just runs out and grabs it, keeps running. It's yeah. the only time he ever got to use it. One time he got to use his evil Knievel motorcycle because some kid stole it and ran away. That's, that's awful because this is one of the greatest, the greatest toys ever produced. Yeah. 100%. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little behind on this one, guys. Well, Allison, you were like, you know, growing up in, in the... Uh, the 90s in Fayetteville, and I just don't know that Evil Knievel was much of a thing. I know, but I'm just like trying to bring it back if we want this thing to be like apply to a large group of people. We can't uh, spend too much time on the Evil Knievel toys. <laughs> Here's my challenge. Jimmy will love this. So, Allison, what I want you to do is I want you to bring next time that you see Jerry O, because Jimmy knows Jerry O, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, ask him about evil can evil. He'll have a he'll have an opinion. Oh, I'm sure he has an opinion <laughs> about everything. <laughs> um, well, that brings me to okay. One of the the interesting things that you do as well, Jimmy, uh, is you do a comic con and like you give a lot of energy to 
connectedness to Oklahoma and and like I, I don't know just stuff that you loved when you were a kid like you 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 go there on your Twitter feed a lot and there's a lot of guys my age um, that are like that's freaking awesome and so tell me a little bit about that and I want to get into this idea of like uh, I don't know hero worship like you know like what's yeah. like that that kind of stuff. Well, comic books have come full circle because I started buying them when I was in grade school off the spinner rack, the magazine rack uh, in Locust Grove, and they cost 20 cents brand new. Okay, so I'm old. We've established. You're old. (laughs) But uh, as you got older, you would never admit to anyone, uh, I'm talking high school age, that you read comic books because you'd you'd get like, really? You know, those are for kids. Right. Uh, uh, you, it was embarrassing. You, you didn't admit it. And for a while, I, I gave them up. But they're one of the true uh, passions of my life. There's comic books. When I'm not working, I'm out uh, prowling around the towns all over the country uh, trying to find old comic books uh, from my collection or to sell so I can buy more comic books. And mm-hmm. uh, love them. I, I've, in the movie Unbreakable with uh, Samuel Jackson and Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. I think Jackson's character describes comic books as uh, our mythology. Like we don't mm-hmm. have Greek mythology and Norse mythology, but comics with the movies and everything have become our mythology. Uh, and uh, going mentioning the Comic Con you talked about uh, a few years ago, six seven years ago, uh, the mother of someone I went to high school with was at the Arts Council in Pryor, and she said, "Hey, we hear through your cousin, the mayor." Uh, that you, you know, have comic books. We'd like to do a Comic-Con in prior, but we don't know anything about them. Would you like to help? And I said, yeah, I want to help. So for six years in a row, we've had the Prior Creek Comic Convention, and uh, I just do it because I dig it, and all the money goes to the Prior Arts Council. And it's really now one of the more established uh, Comic-Cons in the state. I would In the eastern half of the state, it's the most established uh, Comic-Con in Oklahoma. And who, who comes to this and who have you had uh, as like guests and things like that? Yeah. Out, again, not in the big city. I mean, you're, in a, you're, you're doing this in a town of 10,000 people. Mm-hmm. It's always been the uh, vendor and comic centric and prior. And one way that I've under underachieved is with the celebrity guests. I've never made it a priority because they're kind of expensive. Right. Uh, and it is a, you know, a for the arts council situation. But we've had uh, a Power Ranger. We've had uh, the creator of Strawberry Shortcake and oh, the yeah. Care Bear Little Long Gang. Oh, yeah. No, I'm Muriel, right? Muriel Ferrian. He's great. Yeah. Uh, we, we've had uh, Misty Rowe from Hee Haw, which uh, that's, <laughs> that's really going back beyond uh, Evil Knievel there. Uh, so I'm taking <laughs> you way back. But uh, she was great and uh, was a great guest. Uh, I tried to get some of the Reservation Dogs actors yeah. this last thinking people would love that because it's local but it, it was getting it was getting a little pricey so had to get out of that but yeah. would love to have one of those reservation dogs actors there sometime and uh would love to have more actor representation but like i said anymore those people come with big price tags mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about your what it is you love about where you came from because you're always referencing, you seem to be a big time champion, not just for Oklahoma, but for Northeast Oklahoma, Mays County rural space, like that kind of thing. Like, and, and people that, some people that, that move 
uh, away from those areas uh, don't really acknowledge them. I have the feeling that you love your home. Why, why would anybody love being from anywhere else except where they are from? I mean, uh, mm. I'm, I'm sure it was the same way for, for you, uh, Chris, but uh, for me, like the best day ever where I'm from, there wasn't anything to do. So you, mm-hmm. would, uh, you would drag Maine in your town or the, big, the bigger town up, which is prior, and nobody's mm-hmm. right before, by the way. Well, <laughs> I want to know if I did that ceased to exist. What was the year in history that dragging Maine ceased to exist? Because you mentioned that to a kid now, and they say, what? What, what is that? that? Yeah. What is that? I even what? know that one, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, would you, would you like, Allison, would you like drag Benville? Like, because no, you get in trouble was, in Fayetteville? What is that? No, it was How college. You would drive up oh, and down college. Okay. And I vividly remember there was a, a white kind of older Mustang with pink ground effects that had um, Pimpin' Ain't Easy painted on the side of it and that guy was always cruising Maine <laughs> we all had our own little American graffiti situations in the town yeah. where we uh, grew up in <laughs> and, and the best was just grabbing six friends and you go to the outdoor park and you play basketball all day long mm-hmm. and, and I love not where I'm from but that every town has somebody or someone I love going through town and seeing uh such and such town, home of this person. I just think it's cool, all these people that come from all these towns in Oklahoma. I think, I mean, it's again, it's the birthplace of stories, and, and maybe that's what, you know, old guys in their 50s sit around and drink beer and tell stories, but I, I think that's true for any age and, and any situation. Like, the stories connect us to our reality. You're talking about cruising Maine. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to, so... A, a guy you probably know um, who was a great friend of mine when I was in high school, Jeff Kerr. Um, yeah. Jeff had a terrible, terrible accident whenever we were, it was on my 20th birthday and he, uh, he had an accident where he lost, um, he had to have one of his legs amputated and it was just an awful thing. It was just the worst. And he uh, lived, lived through that and learned how to, you know, just like he just went on with his life and, was just a real example of strength for a lot of us. And, but I remember vividly when I was in college, uh, I came back to prior one night and everyone was hanging out at the Walmart parking lot like they did. And um, Jeff was there and there were a bunch of people around that we didn't know. And he said, I don't know, him and I concocted some sort of deal where I was going to drive over his foot and make it look like it was an accident. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we did it and we thought we were hilarious but i think some people like lost lost their lunch or lost their beer because it just drove over. oh my gosh i'm so sorry and he's like oh my foot oh. he's, you know, he's wearing nobody knew anyway just like just stupid stuff like that um and the other thing about home is just like this sense of place i don't know if this about where you grew up but like I haven't been really been able to live places very well that don't have trees. Like I need trees. Hmm. And that's just because my little corner up Northwest of Pryor was full of them. And, hmm. and when I'm around, you know, I just, it's just a connectedness to it. It has to feel like home or, uh, or, or, or be home. You know what I mean? Can I ask a question, Chris? Yeah. So you said earlier, you were going to tell us a sad story and, 
You did. And then, <laughs> Chris, you talking about the tragedy with your friend. On the surface, I would imagine that it seems like covering sports and covering pop culture, you don't really, you would get to not have to cover tragedy. But I, 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 I is that even avoidable? Have you had to do that? Well, you're, you hit on something there in that, there, in the newspaper, there are really two sandboxes to play in that are fun, in my opinion, and that is sports and entertainment. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I have no interest in covering crime or politics or poverty or news because, to me, that's not fun. Right. Is fun. Music, TV, movies are fun, but, yeah, there is still some unavoidable sadness in that uh, – I covered the Oklahoma State uh, basketball team the year that they had the plane crash and mm. 10 people died. Oh, my God. So, I mean, so you, you can't just cover the games and say, gee, I'm, that's somebody else's job to do. you got to cover the good and the bad. Uh, and that, that's one reason why, not, not sadness, I'm veering off in a different territory. It's one reason why ethically you never ask a person in sports for an autograph or something like that because – uh, if you get their autograph and then they go out and get a DUI or something, which you also have to write about, and they mm-hmm. say, uh, what's up with that? I mean, I gave you my, I signed something for you, and here you are writing at a DUI. And you say, well, you, know, you just have to because it's part of it. So you, you don't want to put yourself in that position. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, what's your take on journalism and its role in our world these days versus some assumptions that we brought to the to to the table regarding journalism whenever we were in our 20s or whatever you know 30 40 years ago whatever i, I wish people would read more uh people mm-hmm. read headlines and they read social media and i'm not sure people want the truth mm-hmm. i think people mm-hmm. would prefer to seek out what they prefer to believe and read that or make an assumption off that than to go find something neutral that's the truth because they, they, they want to have their minds made up and they want to go find something that tells them they're right, even if they're wrong. Hmm. It, it seems like neutral is kind of hard to find. Yeah, and then even if you tell people what, you know, this outlet is neutral, this is not, they still want to fight you on it and say, no, it's, uh, it's that other station that's uh got things all screwed up. I mean, sure. It, it, it's really, it's, I don't know how things have gotten so polarized, but yeah, I wish people would just get rid of all the crap about the left and the right and the conservatives and the liberals. And let's go down to the basics of uh, the truth is undefeated. Yeah. The, the golden rule is undefeated. Treat yeah. people the way you be treated. And how can I help you? And, mm-hmm. and forget all the taking sides in the garbage. Well, and I think not even beyond the news, like just seeing yourself in print. Mm-hmm. Like I remember one year I went to this summer camp. That's actually how I met Chris. I made the brochure. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> My picture was in the brochure and I like low key wanted everyone to know that I was basically the face of this camp. Like it just, <laughs> it meant, it meant something and and you kind of lose that when it, there's a digital version because you see your face all the time on on your phone on your friend's phone um and maybe that's it maybe the rarity of it that it's this tangible thing you can hold and keep and 
and everything else is just sort of, uh, it just doesn't keep. It, it goes away in 24 hours or it, um, but does it? Maybe it never really goes away, but, uh, but it goes away in the way that you, you, you feel like you don't get to keep it. Um, but yeah, I think the closer a person is to the source, how could they not be the most truthful um, option? So I like, I like what you say about staying local, going local versus kind of the further out you get, the more agendas or the more, the more is going on than just, I want to tell this story. Sure. And, uh, and I, I think regarding, uh, what people should want to focus on is our people. And, uh, mm -hmm. I, when I was doing sports, uh, everybody has the game story and the results and the stats, but the deal is, uh, how can you make these players into people? I mean, you're, you're not supposed to cheer in the press box, but you can, mm -hmm. can tell people who they are as a person and make other people want to cheer for them. But like players and coaches are just things and Jersey numbers are things, but let's make people into people and maybe we can, uh, get along a little better. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Jimmy, what is it about, like, you know, you went out and you, you know, you, it seems like you got into what you loved and you were interested in and your career has progressed. What have been, what's just been the stuff that you've just really loved? What's been some things about doing what you've done that just, when you look back, you're like, that was all, this is just awesome. I mean, you, you mentioned Evil Knievel. Any other thoughts about just what you've loved about what you've done? Well, for the bulk of my time in sports, it was just uh, the wonderful thing was every day is different. I mean, if you are a ditch digger, you're digging a ditch every day and it kind of looks the same. Yeah. But if you're, you know, talk, if you're going to games and taking road trips and interviewing this guy and that guy and having experiences, uh, I mean, it's just uh, fun. And then I, I got out of it nine years ago and went to entertainment because pop culture because my kids were in an age where, uh, gee, do I want to spend every Saturday mm. in Ames, Iowa and Manhattan, Kansas, or do I want to be around for some of the stuff my kids are doing on weekends? Because you yeah. do forfeit, not to whine and cry, but you do forfeit every weekend from, let's say, August till March if you're a sports writer at a uh, newspaper type thing, in Oklahoma especially. Yeah. This is a secret project we're talking about now, but I, I've got another book project coming up that's uh, hasn't been announced yet. That's in the world of pop culture that I never would have gotten a chance to do if not for making that move nine years ago. Well, talk to me about what's what are the unique challenges of writing a book and doing biography work like that. What's uh, what's that like, and, and uh, what is what what's worse than the challenges in doing that? Because that documentation of story, like I when what you opened up with stories, I'm like, brother, like that's that's the stuff, man. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's it's such an energy giving like connector for humanity. Like we have like people, these stories have to be told. Uh, hey there, Maggie King. It's time for the ad advertisement today. Perfect. Yes. Uh, so you're going to, you're <laughs> going to join me for this one. Uh, it is uh, our, our primary sponsor, which is no surprise. It's Chris King counseling services. 
And one of the things that we want to pump and that we want to make a big deal about is our annual spring retreat coming up at New Life Ranch, Flint Valley on May 4th, 5th, and 6th, 2023. The focus is on self-care and then also on ecotherapy. And so it's, um, and, and you get uh, six CEUs. So there's educational stuff for, for therapists and, and any professional helper of people. We just want people that are in the helping realm to be able to get away and hang out with each other and let their educational units be really just about how to take care of themselves and then getting outside and, and reflecting. And yeah. so l- last time we did it, it was such a big win. We want to do it and expand it. You have in front of you some of our comments regarding our, our retreats. Hit me with some stuff you saw. People talked about how y'all covered really diverse topics that were super easily implemented. Um, and that was brought up a few times. People really enjoyed that. A lot of language like, it was wonderful, all aspects of the day. The whole day was perfect, uh, which is super kind. Um, and then we also had things just about how people loved the group experiences and they felt that those experiences really reinforced the lecture content and that it was super informative and that it was really good and refreshing to interact with other professionals. So a lot of positive feedback and definitely something that was overall a super positive experience. Yeah, I, I just the, the, what we're looking for is sort of at a camp retreat setting for people who are in the helping people business to, to just to get away, take a breath and and be around some other pros in the field and do as much or as little work as you want. It's a it's a true retreat. So it's going to be fourth, fifth and sixth at New Life Ranch, um, Flint Valley. Maggie, how do we sign up if we want to go? Yes. So the link should be on the website, chriskingcounseling.com, and then it'll be on our social media here pretty quickly. So you can be on the lookout for that if that's an easier way for you to access it. Awesome. Uh, Also, we'll have discounts for uh, students and for uh, candidates uh, in there. And uh, if you work with us at Kriskin Counseling, you get to go for free anyway. Amazing. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Maggie, thank you. And uh, back to the show. Sounds good. And books and newspapers, both kind of all stories. Uh, how do you guys feel about homework? Would you, you like homework in school? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big fan. <laughs> you're, you're only as good as your homework when you tackle yeah. something like this book because uh, you have, like when I was doing the Switzer book, I pulled like everything I could read about Switzer and basically retyped it into a laptop and saved it and organized it. Uh, to work on that book. Uh, I love the research part. I shouldn't call it homework. I love the research part of anything and just, you know, reading about people and, and gathering the stories and stuff. Uh, You know, when you write it, that's the actual work, but I mean, I could research all day long. That's, that's like uh, candy land. Mm. (laughs) Well, Switzer, I just, that's what an awesome gig back that you got back then, because like that, I mean, what an interesting guy. I really, when I was growing up, like I loved Barry Switzer, but I didn't want the people who had a really great moral compass in my life to know that I love Barry Switzer. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he's from Arkansas, by the way. So you Oh, I know. Uh, he's such an interesting guy. He's got a rascal on one shoulder and an angel on the other. Mm. And, uh, but he's this uh, kind of tightrope walker where he can be comfortable with, comfortable with the poorest person in the world. Or the richest person in the world. He'll be mm-hmm. right at home, either one, and you feel like you've known him your whole life. 
Uh, and I'm sure part of that is his upbringing, you know, in Arkansas as the son of a bootlegger, uh, you know, lost his mother to suicide. Mm. His dad never saw him play in college at Arkansas because he was in jail at that time. He's from Crossit, Arkansas, right? Uh, That's like way down there. Basically Louisiana. It's, a, it's yeah. a big lumber town, I think. And we went down there, you know, before when writing the book and went through his old yearbooks and stuff to see, you know, if he was, if he was a bunch of pictures when he was a junior and senior in high school. Uh, but just a really Everybody has flaws, but he's just a really good human being. I think once you play for him, you're his the rest of his life. Mm. It's not where he's going to forget about you when you're through playing. Uh, When guys come back to Norman to to come watch games, he says basically, no, you're not staying at a hotel. You're coming to stay at my house. Mm. And that's what they do. Well, I was listening listening to Kerry Murdoch and those guys uh, just the other day, and they were – giving their intern crap because he had, he like was partying with Switzer and Toby Keith. Like this was just two weeks ago. Did you, hear, <laughs> did you hear that Jimmy? I, I didn't hear that, but I, I did see that Switzer and Toby Keith went to the uh, Bedlam basketball game together in Stillwater. So wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> that might've been it. And they, but they like, they apparently like, like, like they pulled an all nighter and we're just like up doing shots and like he's 85. Yeah, I, I don't want to keep up with those guys. What a baller. <laughs> it's crazy. My, my daughter is at OU now, and uh, she has some knowledge of who Barry Switzer is. But a lot of her friends don't, and she has to explain to them, oh, he's the older Bob Stoops. <laughs> he's the guy that – he's kind of the guy that built the stadium on the Wilkinson part, too. It's, it's so interesting. Did you uh, Did you feel a lot of pressure to write the Pat Jones book just so you'd be even Steven in the state of Oklahoma? OU, OSU. I, this is the Pat Jones book actually came before. Oh. And, uh, here, here's the cursory tale of this is what you get into if you're a writer. A, a book company pitched uh, a project to me, said, Hey, we'd like to do a story on uh, either a basketball coach or a football coach at Oklahoma State because no one's really done it. And I thought, <laughs> Well, uh, Eddie Sutton is going to write a book someday, and it's going to be great. Yeah. So I, I don't want to get in the way of that. Uh, and uh, sadly, Eddie never wrote the book before he passed away, and it would have mm-hmm. been great. So, mm-hmm. then, so I go to Pat, and we do a book on Pat's time at Oklahoma State. It sold a bunch of copies. Pat has a really unique voice and a personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, people love on the radio still. And so we sell a ton of those books, and guess what happens? We never get paid because there was a clause in the contract that says if the book company declares bankruptcy, which they uh-huh. did, you don't get anything. Holy moly. So we made like the first advance for the book, which was not a heck of a lot, and never saw anything after that. And what? Yeah. And here, so what? if you're a writer, you're going to get hosed sometime. It's just going to mm-hmm. happen. Maybe multiple times. And that it was a that book cost twenty dollars brand new. Out of that twenty, Pat was supposed to get a dollar. I was going to get a dollar. The other eighteen went to publisher, and it made me understand why the music artists are so upset about uh, record sales and mm. CDs because uh, for every album sold and nobody's selling those anymore because it's all digital. Uh, like the artists would get 
uh, a piddling and the record labels would make a fortune. So mm-hmm. there you go. Wow. Well, I've always respected artists that, that found ways to uh, carve their path, but what a hard road. I mean, well, I'm, I'm not going to buy that Pat Jones book. I'm just going to steal it because <laughs> <laughs> if you're not going to get any money for it, <laughs> then what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> um, why, why do you think that people care about this well i mean you can say why you care about it but like you know i mean people read your stuff because they're interested in these in these heroes and you're you're giving them that information like why do we care about that why does it matter what you mean why does it matter uh why do they want to read about uh heroes or personalities you mean yeah 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 i mean like like you know i mean it doesn't impact my life one way or the other. I mean, like, like you've done so much of it. I'm curious. I, I would think maybe you have some sort of philosophy about it. Like, like, well, it seems like this is, or is it just supply and demand? I mean, is it not anything deeper than that? You know, man, I'm not sure I know the answer to that. Except, just accept that uh, people will have a hunger to know more about the things they're interested in. Like uh, my favorite TV shows, I've watched them over and over and over again. Like, thinking maybe I'll see something I didn't see before mm-hmm. or this was the first time they said this catchphrase or this was the first time the character appeared and for people who want to read about their favorite uh, music artist or thing, but here, here's another thing it's, it's a personal connection there you go if, if you watched uh, Fonzie on Happy Days Fonzie doesn't know you but you feel like you know Fonzie because mm-hmm. you grew up Henry Winkler he was right. a, a great guy, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. He called me for a deal once, and we actually got, we got cut off after 10, 15 minutes. And I thought, well, we hit a time limit, which is the case with these interviews. And his agent just uh, unplugged the phone. Okay, great. He calls me back immediately and says, hey, uh, I'm sorry, that's not the case. Take as long as you want. And if you go wow. to these conferences, he's never behind the table. He's in front of the table meeting face-to-face, having conversations with all these people that think they know Henry Winkler, but they don't. But he understands that. Yeah. And I think that's why people read these stories is because uh, it's part of their life and it's an important uh, part of the fabric of their lives. And uh, that's why they go pay 50 bucks for their autograph. Hmm. Did you? Uh, oh, go ahead, Allison. Go. Well, I was just, you know, you said earlier you were talking about, you know, the number and the sport and the coaching. Those are all things, but there's real people behind those things. And I wonder if people are in two camps, kind of like you had the nerve, the nervousness about meeting Shatner. Sometimes we want these, we want to know that they're real people we need to know that they're real people. I remember my mom was like an avid people magazine reader growing up. And there was always this section stars. They're just like us. And then it was like, (laughs) this is what they order. This is what Tom Hanks ordered at Starbucks. (laughs) And this is what, you know, so-and-so can't park their car straight or whatever. And that see how we're the same. Cause we both like, you know, mocha lattes and we are bad at parking. Um, and so sometimes there is this urge in us, it seems like, to connect on the humanity. But then maybe 
we don't want too much humanity because we still need them to be superhuman. Yeah, not not to pick on Mickey Mantle, but a lot of people who met Mickey Mantle did not have a great experience. Mm. Right. Yeah. The kind of the narrative is he's, he wasn't a great guy, but he was a baseball god. Well, if you met him sober, it was probably an okay experience. If you mm-hmm. if he was sober, then it probably was not a great experience. Mm-hmm. One of the great uh, lessons that celebrity has shared is get over yourself. Mm. Uh, Sam Jones, who was uh, this, the actor in Flash Gordon back in the day and, and popped up again in Ted uh, more recently as kind of a parody of himself. He, uh, he botched that thing in, in Flash Gordon so bad, thinking he was big time and not taking uh, direction everything else, that it really sabotaged his whole uh, acting career. And so he got jobs in security and you know regular Joe jobs and everything else. And he said it took him time to learn, like, uh, get over yourself. You're not that big a deal. Uh, mm-hmm. Serve other people. Don't uh, be so full of yourself that you can't just be like everybody else. Wow. Um, two two other two things as we get ready to wrap up here. Um, one is, you know, I opened with this uh, this thought about I run into these people that don't know what they want to do and. And then here you are, a guy that just said, you know, I, I'm really interested in that. So I'm going to try to arrange my life to where I get paid doing that. Um, and I'm, I'm just curious what your if you would give advice to those young people like you and I both have kids in college now and I have kids that are past college. And so it's like a, it's, it's a big part of our lives as parents. And um, what advice do you give to people like who, you know, are unsure of themselves and what they want to do with their lives vocationally? Here's a good way to go about it is uh, ask somebody or ask yourself, what do you enjoy doing when you're not working? And mm-hmm. whatever the answer to that is, if there's some way you can uh, monetize that or go into that, then probably that's what you should find a way to do sometime. Uh, what, I mean, what I enjoy doing when I'm not writing is, like I said, prowling around for old comic books. I mean, I mean, if I ever shift to something else, I'm sure it'll be uh, me just prowling around for old comic books. And, and stuff. <laughs> yeah, just, what do you enjoy doing when you're not at work and make that your work? And the flip side is sometimes when you're at work, there's a backlash in that. I can't enjoy doing this anymore because now I view it as my work instead of mm. my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good word. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, last, uh, last thing on my head is uh, you've mentioned secret projects. So I guess it's going to remain secret. What are you working on now? What do you want people to know about? Uh, just, just signed a contract for a really cool book project. Uh, it's a lot better contract than the one that I was talking about. <laughs> Lord, let's hope so. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A nice little advanced payment already, and but I'm under the gun to finish it. It's supposed to, I've got a deadline due in, in June. And uh, I would just say that if I was, uh, if they had offered me a chance to do this for free, I still would have done it because it's mm. just that. And I can't wait to talk about it when it's legal to talk. About. <laughs> and and when, when should we expect that conversation? How long are we talking about? Um, probably not until 2024. Golly, 
You're like an episode. You're like the next season of, of Game of Thrones, like the dragon thing. Like, <laughs> it's going to be like 18 months. To <laughs> get everyone excited, and then we have to we'll forget by the time. <laughs> got a hint for you, though. It's two words. You ready for this? I'm ready to go. Stay gold. Sweet. Stay golden. Oh, I'm, I, yeah. Okay. But that'll, <laughs> I don't even know how much like I, I can talk about that, but like, yep. I don't want to mess with your book. It's, it's related to stay gold. We'll, we'll say that. Well, that's awesome. That's going to be great, man. Uh, it's been a pleasure uh, getting to know you. And like, there's, there's so much we can gather from your experience and, and, if I could say anything to you, like that we're going to put out there and I'm just, I would say this personally, but even like just on this format, like keep promoting those stories. Those stories give life, even the difficult ones, maybe sometimes, especially the difficult ones. Um, the ones that connect her to, to the connect us to the deeper good uh, of ourselves. And, and these relationships are like, they're needed. Also your connection with helping us appreciate and, and, and and really get a richer appreciation for like the here, the right here, the right now. Like Tulsa is a great place. I mean, Oklahoma, Northeast Oklahoma, where we where you came from, where I come came from. Um, like we we need to lean into that. And I just really appreciate the work that you do that makes those things happen. Well, I appreciate. It. I'm I'm flattered you guys would have me on today, and thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed the conversation. We talked about uh, Arkansas and Adair and. <laughs> uh, exactly. I'm, I'm here for more dragon main stories though when you get off the air you know i want to hear um, that you couldn't tell jimmy thanks uh we will uh we'll be in touch hope to do this again and uh for sure in on. 2024 when your super <laughs> awesome book comes out <laughs> that's right <laughs> keep keep on man thank you guys for having me hey have you ever have you ever met anyone famous? Well, right. So, <laughs> are like, you proud uh, of yourself in that interaction? I, I didn't bring. Yeah, why didn't we ask? You no, know, I want to have the Hansons on my podcast. I mean, I don't want to make them. I mean, but like what what I did with with uh, Taylor Hanson, it was my it was the Tom Graney trick. Like t- Allison and I are both friends with a guy named Tom Graney that is, has no shame when it comes to the rich and famous. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to describe Tom. He doesn't. He does not. There are n- n- no Fs given when it comes None. to zero. And so yeah, he had told me these stories of on more than one occasion where he had seen a famous person and he asked them to get a picture. And they're like, yeah, sure. And then he would hand them his camera or his phone and have them, the famous person, take a picture of him and whoever he was with, like his, his <laughs> wife or a friend. It's, just, it's brilliant. It's so awesome. And I don't know where he got the idea. I'll have to ask him or if it was just, that totally sounds like something he'd come up with. And so I think the Hansons were sitting down in front of us at a, at a drillers game one time and my, and Maggie was with us and, uh, and uh, I said, hey, Maggie, it's, that's Hanson. Oh my gosh. You know, I'm like love what they do, blah, blah, blah. And I said, let's, mm-hmm. uh, let's go get a picture I said, but I'm going to have him take a picture of us. And she's like, oh, come on. I'm like, no, really. <laughs> and we, we did it. You know, I went down and I said, hey, can you get a picture? He's like, yeah, sure. And I, I handed him my camera and me and Maggie posed. I need to post the picture. It's this great picture of us at the ballpark that Taylor Hansen took. And, and he's like, okay. <laughs> I've got to believe, though, that you would remember that. Hey, do you remember me? No. I don't yes, know. you do. Let me, let me paint the scene for you. I, yeah, whatever. I mean, I... 
I do want to talk to them because I think that they <laughs> like, and, and they actually have this super awesome niche, like, like world famous guys that, that all came back home and raising their families in Tulsa and a big part of the community. And they have this big festival they do every year that promotes craft brewing and, and their music is there's a, they have a massive worldwide following and it's meaningful and all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, Taylor, if you're out there listening, like we, we want to talk. So, Taylor, you know, Taylor, or, if you're or out Isaac there. or Zach. I, I mean, yeah. I we'll you. take any of you guys. Like, love you guys. Yeah. We're not, I mean, you know, we're not, we don't play favorites. Nah, nah. Hey, Allison, how was your, in, your inaugural talk? How'd you, did you enjoy it? What was, what it were your impressions? It was so fun. It was so fun. I was actually kind of nervous, like leading all morning, kind of leading up, mostly wanting, I just wanted to be myself, whatever that meant, and not like be like over be myself. I just wanted to be myself. Um, And I I think I did. And it was a ton of fun. And you make it super easy and comfortable. And so and and he's Jimmy's super interesting guy. (laughs) Yeah. Is it possible, though, that you could under be yourself a little bit? Just curious. You want me to? You want yeah. me to, or you're just asking if it's even an option? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just, could you do that, that you know, now? Oh, right now? No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Your voice I don't, is like, oh, I don't even oh, know. It changed. Oh, yeah, though, my mm, whole, I just, I mm. literally shrug. I just lean forward and sort of <laughs> shrivel inward and right. try to imagine what oh. that is. Be less of, oh, less of me. We, uh, you remember this, I'm sure, about me. We moved a billion times when I was really young, Mm -hmm. and I was super bad at it because I was a a weirdo. I was really smart and, like, really good at talking to adults and really bad at talking to my own peers. And I would, would like, go out onto the playground, and I cared so much that these people – I wanted these people to like me so bad. And I would just over – overact i would i was over <laughs> over funny but not to them right <laughs> i finally had a teacher pull me to the side and was like you know you're fine just the way you are like you don't have to try so hard <laughs> it's like super obvious that you're trying so hard and i was like oh man thanks mrs brown <laughs> uh so i'm always it's kind of always in the back of my mind anytime i find myself like in a space where i feel a little insecure or i feel a little nervous i'm always worried i'm third grade on that playground over over functioning <laughs> now that's i mean like that's that's part of our like adult lives is trying to navigate what we think about the first half of our lives when we were young I and mean, that's a, that's a that's a real thing but i i think that even when we're having these conversations and the only reason for me to let other people listen in on them is just that kind of like what you guys were saying about the identification like like when we when when we say stuff like that about our lives or or tell those stories um you never know who might identify and and help them process kind of their own and come to more a sense of more confidence and moving forward in their lives in a a positive way yeah i mean i i know that the phrase is attached to something else right now and i'm super supportive of the thing it's attached to but kind of the the thing i love about stories so much is just the me too factor the mm-hmm. hearing something that you've gone through out of somebody else's mouth just sort of in an instant you're not the only one ever yeah. 
to feel that way, ask that question, wonder that. And I think that that is in completely different ways. That's, that's a win of talking to Garland Tackett. That's a win of talking to Jimmy Trammell. That's a win of talking to anybody is when there's a piece of the story that someone goes, Oh, I know that I've done that. I've felt that I've wondered that it's like money. Yeah. That's it's huge. a money moment. Well, our goal uh, in doing this is, I mean, we want it to be funny and fun and entertaining and all this kind of stuff, but ultimately we just want to put something out there that's helpful to people. Okay. All right. Uh, back with Maggie King. Hello. Ma- Ma- hello. <laughs> hello. Hey, wh- uh, what'd you think? Cause because I think a lot of people are expecting like, hey, we're going to do a lot of heavy mental health stuff um, yeah. and, and we'll <laughs> we'll we'll get our uh, anxiety series recorded like sure. like that's we're going to do that stuff. Um, but I, I, I just I had on this guy, Jimmy Trammell, who I've seen doing his thing since he was young and always seen him from a distance, either writing articles or being on the Web or writing books. And I oh, and I knew this was the deal. Like, here's a guy that's interested in getting stories and he's interested in sports, interested in people and kind of like the stuff behind it. And he's right. deci- he just decided to do it coming from a little town like I came from. And, and, and here he sits like really enjoying his life and having it like, I don't know. I just thought there was something to learn. And I run into these conversations all the time, you know, where people are like, I, I'm just freaking stuck. And, and, I want to say uh, that's my dad voice, right? I want to be like, well, d- just go try a thing, right? Go, go try it. And people are like, eh, yeah. You know? And I'm wondering you at 26. Um, sorry if I'm giving away your age to <laughs> the, public, <laughs> the public at large. Sure. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> you went to college and picked a major that would not have been popular with the town of parents. This is true. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Without a doubt. So like, how did that grab you, kind of figuring out what you're going to do with your life? Yeah, so I, for those of you that don't know me, uh, I got a degree in theater, specifically acting, um, from the University of Oklahoma. Boomer. Yeah, Boomer Sooner. Um, and I, well, first of all, I am really lucky that, you know, you and mom were supportive of that. Like, even if you weren't behind closed doors in front of me, you were like, go for it, you know? And I think that's kind of been, um, I just trusted that, you know, do you, do you think uh, that we, like after we said, go for it, that we turned around and went, like, oh, oh my gosh, this is going to be terrible. Right. Um, you never know. But when I chose that, I mean, as I was making the decision to audition for programs, the question wasn't if I was going to do that, it was how. Mm-hmm. And so I think, one, I was lucky to be in a circumstance where that was a possibility for me um, to make that kind of decision and to have the confidence that if something didn't work out or how I thought it might or wanted it to, I would be taken care of. Because um, I know that's not something that you know everyone gets to have when they're 18. But going to do the thing that gave me life, um, gave yeah. me energy, felt like I was good at it. Yeah. Um, there are probably a lot of other negative things that it brought to my life or that I, you know, have had to work through since. But um, the overall idea of committing to something without knowing what it's going to be like at the end, just because I know that I love it and mm-hmm. it's a, a part of why I'm here. Yeah. Um, and I still believe that to be true, even though I am not in 
well, I'm not all the way in a theater world right now, post-college. Um, and so after college, I think I kind of stuck with that mindset of going for it. Kind yeah. of like what, what Jimmy talks about, stuff that I loved. I just decided to lean in just as hard as I, as I possibly could um, and to accept the opportunities that came to me, mm. even if they were a little unsteady or scary. Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. I think that's the thing. A lot of people that I visit with and have in the past, like, have tr- they, they have trouble with the idea that it's not set. Right. And what if, what if like you could handle the discomfort of it not being set that you just go try the stuff that you like and and then your context changes the more you do that stuff you meet different people you experience different mm-hmm. things um, you you learn that thing you earn you know you 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 grind and you learn hard things and it just seems that like listening to Jimmy's story and how he just wanted to you know the whole stories are undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just an awesome quote. Oh, you know, one thing though, I, <laughs> I'm just going to say something about right now that I, I forgot to ask and I should have asked was how he addressed evil can evil. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a valid evil? question. So evil. Sir can evil. Um, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Evil. May, may I call you evil? Right. Um, I mean, you probably, you probably need to text Jimmy and ask him that. <laughs> um, just so we can report it to the public because what if I run into him one day I won't know what to say yeah you, you won't because he's deceased so that that and we're leaving oh, that in we're, we're not cutting that <laughs> well that's really you know so, Allison uh, talks about it a lot the generational gap and that you know that's me even <laughs> well I I mean the reason that I ask you about the, the drama thing is that I'm like you're navigating it and but like everybody whether you're doing what you like or doing what you don't like, you like, like we're living. And, and if we have any choices at all regarding vocation, what we do, like, like I think exercising it and not being afraid to try um, is that, well, it's just the way I want to live. I hope, and I know maybe not every single person in the world has those choices, but I, right. well, I want to, I want to encourage that, you know, the best that we can and proud of you and what you're doing. You. absolutely and i didn't just say that because it's on the podcast uh-huh. <laughs> um, i trust you <laughs> okay i so i'm gonna shut her down i we're, we're super excited about the guests that we have coming up on the pod uh, we're gonna be putting them out every two weeks like i said and um i i, I just want to thank uh jimmy trammell for being our guest for taking the time to talk we'll go to the exit music and to my thanks and my thoughts see you next time bye-bye Well, my friends, that'll do it. I want to thank our guests. And here for the closer, I want to make sure and thank the most important people who make this thing happen every time. Maggie King takes care of our production, editing, promotion. She gets the podcast out there. And I'm so appreciative of the work that she does. Allison Myers, your guest host, you've been assigned that duty. You've been assigned the duty of being my friend for many years. God help you. Team at Chris King Counseling. We have a group of therapists and just and folks in our office and people that are making it happen day in and day out, doing a great job for the clients that are seeking relational mental health care. We love our people. We want to make a difference in their lives, and, and I'm so proud of the people that I work with. Lastly, emotional support dogs, Rocky, Hank, and honorary support grand dog, Gus. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Please remember, you've got what it takes. 
and be good. Thanks.